Welcome to Jetro Boomin. I'm your host, as always, Seamus Clancy, and I don't think I've ever, ever been as excited as I am right now for the Eagles to be 4-4. Four and four. Heading into Buffalo, they were 3-4, and four, and as we say all the time, it feels like we've said this ad nauseum this season, the season was on the line. This is the biggest game of Carson Wentz's career. He needs to prove that he's a franchise quarterback. And now we're Wentz's numbers great today. No, 17-24, 172 yards passing, and a touchdown and a 104.9 QB rating. Now, and he's taken a lot of factors with that. Bill's defense is pretty good. Going into the game, they were, I believe, third in scoring defense. And the weather was terrible. There was rain. The wind was absurd. It was crazy. Looking at the flags and people's jackets on the sideline, it was just, everything was going wild. It looked like Storm from the X-Men was casting gusts of wind down upon everyone. But the Birds won. They did well in all three facets of the game. Defense held Buffalo to just 13 yards. Brandon Graham... Not 13 yards, 13 points, I should say. Eagles defense played well. Brandon Graham had a hell of a game. He had one sack and two tackles for a loss, but he feels like he was in the backfield attacking, pressuring Josh Allen almost every time he dropped back. He had six tackles. He was great. He has, I believe, six sacks in his last four games. He's having a great year, and I think earlier on we thought that maybe that three-sack performance against the Jets was a bit of an you know, anomaly, maybe not as telling of who he is this season at, what, 30, 31 years old. But he played great. He played great. The whole defense played really well, except who played poorly? Nate Gary. Nate Gary stinks. He stinks. Uh, I made the joke on Twitter that this Vampire Weekend song, Unbearably White, was actually written about Nathan Gary. Stinks. Fletcher Cox, first quarter, first half, he was everywhere. Defensive line played really well. Defensive line played really well, and it's encouraging. Again, Buffalo Bills offense is not some, it's not Tom Brady and the New England Patriots, not an Andy Reid coached offense, it's not the Los Angeles Rams or the Houston Texans or whoever you want to say. But they played well. That's all you have to ask for sometimes. They beat, they went on the road against a team that was 5 and 1. Now, are they a real 5 and 1 team? No. They're 5 and 2 now, but they play crap schedule. They played New England tough in that one game they lost, I believe it was like 16 10. They probably had a chance to win. That was a great game, though. The ground game was absurd. Jordan Howard, why did the Bears let him go? I don't get it. They they drafted David Montgomery in the draft uh, back in April, but they traded. Remember, they traded Jordan Howard in March because I, I think of it was the day Bryce Harper made his debut with the Phillies. So I was at the Phillies game, then went to the Sixers game after a little South Philly doubleheader, and that's when we got the you know push notification that the Bears traded for Jordan Howard. And he's been unbelievable this year. He had 96 yards on 23 carries. Not unbelievable efficiency, but he's just so reliable, so consistent, always, always hitting, making first contact, getting yards after contact, falling forward, getting those extra yard or two that add up. He's great. And, you know, the birds come in, come back home after three straight games in the road. Went one on two in this road trip. Not great. You were really hoping for two and one. We'll take it. We're four and four coming home. Playing the Bears, who are three and four, Jordan Howard's old team. Now the Bears' defense is very good, but I would love, love for Jordan Howard to really just stick it to them. You know, Matt Nagy. You know this. You know the next great young NFL head coach. Even though that's actually Doug Peterson. Now Doug Peterson's not super young, but for a newer head coach, all these guys get hyped up as the next McVay, the next Andy Reid, when Doug Peterson is actually that person. Howard, I apologize if you hear a dog barking in the background. I'm house sitting for my parents this week. They, uh, it's both my 
my dad's 50th birthday is tomorrow. My mom's 50th birthday is in December. Their 25th wedding anniversary was a couple of weeks ago. So it's kind of a smorgasbord of events. So, you know, they've never been out of North America. So nice little trip for them. Excited. Um, Miles Sanders played for a Now he left the game with a shoulder shoulder injury. And after the game, he said his shoulder's fine. I don't trust anything, anything when it comes to this Eagles training staff at all. You know, Miles Sanders says he's fine. He could not play for the next a year and a half, and I wouldn't be shocked. But we've seen this year, we've seen that he's really, really good. Out of the backfield, way better than he has any right to be. Now, it's not a knock on him, but he just didn't do it at Penn State. He had some catches. He only really played his junior year. He sat behind Saquon those early years, so he doesn't have a lot of reps out of the backfield. But this season, the two things I was most concerned about him were pass pro and catching the ball out of the backfield. And he's done both of them super well. He had three catches for 44 yards. He's 14.7 yards per reception. I think he was before this at around like 16 yards per reception. It's insane for a running back. He's so good in the open field. He's great. And he just knows how to get... It's weird to say that a running back knows how to get separation, but with these slow plotting receivers, it's refreshing to have at least anyone on the field who can get separation from their defender, from their man. And he busted off that gigantic, gigantic 65-yard touchdown run on the first drive of the second half. And that really just, boom, nail in the coffin. The game was kind of over after that. You know, Bill scored another time after that. But that was a moment we were like, okay, this is the Eagles team I know. This is its Eagles team. I believe that this roster was going this season. This is what great teams do. They go on the road. They're underdogs. And... They beat the crap out of whoever they're playing. They take it to a 5-1 team. Smash mouth football. Smash mouth football. Sixers are playing bully ball basketball. The Eagles are playing smash mouth football. I'm sure every baby boomer in the Philadelphia area absolutely adores it. Miles is good. I like that on that touchdown run to Miles Sanders, they did 21 personnel, which is when you have two running backs, that's the two, and one tight end, that's the one. And they kind of used, I want to say this because frequently they're really tipping their hand with the running back choice. If Jordan Howard's in there, it's overwhelmingly going to be a running play. He's just not as big of a factor in the passing game. And, you know, he's the better runner of the two main running backs in the roster. Whereas if Miles Sanders in there, he has struggled running the ball throughout the year so far. Obviously, he had that gigantic run today, and that would skew some of his numbers, but, you know, looked good today. Anyway, but Miles Sanders has been, as I've been saying, unbelievable as a pass catcher. So if you have Miles in there, okay, the defense is thinking these guys are going to throw the ball. If Jordan Howard's in there. Oh, we better stack the box because they're handing off to Jordan Howard as they always do. But when you have two of those guys in there and you use some creativity, that creativity that we all know and believe Doug Peterson has within him, it's great. They did a lot of misdirection today. They did some creative things. They just... You know, sometimes it didn't work out. They had the, you know, they went a little wild in the end around stuff to Nelson Aguilar. And I think it's one of those things where Doug's like, hey, this guy gets paid $9.4 million. We have to force feed him the ball sometimes. You know, I'm not about that, but trying different things. This, as I said, this offense has been so stale. Just trying anything different, trying anything outside of the box is a win to me. But on that play, the 65-yard touchdown, they kind of used Jordan Howard as a fullback there. And he crushed a guy, and if it wasn't for that block, Sanders isn't springing for that gigantic touchdown run. And it's great. And obviously, I'm someone who 
I think the Eagles should be throwing the ball more. Obviously, they're running the ball a lot with some success. And I'm not someone who's like, oh, establish a run, establish a run. You know, the Eagles should be passing more on first and second down than they do. They're putting Carson Wentz in a situation where it's third and five, third and seven. And, you know, he does excel in third down. He does does well when he gets blitz. But got to pick up chunk plays before that. Make the game easier. Get, just get early and quick first downs and, you know, work some tempo and get a drive going. Sometimes I feel like when it's just, you know, they get on first down once. In a while. Obviously, they had success running the ball, but, you know, it's first down, they gain three yards, it's second and seven, they get stuffed, now it's third and six. And then just like, you know, that took 40 seconds off the clock, and now we're, you know, Buffalo's blitzing, and we don't, we're making Carson Wentz roll over the field and play hero ball. Wentz looked good. The scrambling I loved, and I think that's one more of the aspect. What did he finish for? Rushing, he had 35 rushing yards. I think at one point he had 38 before those kneel downs at the end of the game, and we really haven't seen that since the injury, the the injury back in 2017. And I think that's just another sign of how much more comfortable he's physically, because that's what he's best at. He's just he's a Houdini out there sometimes, making something out of nothing. Even sometimes when he loses a sack just to throw an incompletion, that's a win. That's a net win of you know, six or seven yards that you would have lost. Uh, there was a big third and I think 11 where Doug after the game said the play was a design screen to the wide receivers, right? There was a trips formation, I believe. And Wentz pump faked and he just saw the hole and, you know, bowled it downfield for 11 yards or, you know, 12, 13. What was his long run of the game? 13 yards. So he probably got 13 yards in that third and 11. That's what, that's what franchise quarterbacks do. Passing numbers aren't great. It's hard to throw with the weather. Has two huge, huge rushing first downs on, you know, the other one was like third and five. It was a design QB draw that play, I think. Oh, great. It's so encouraging to see ones play well because I just can't stand. I cannot stand when people are saying like, oh, he's not a franchise quarterback. Is he even that good? Why do we pay him all this money? It's nonsense. Do you watch the game? Do you watch the game? I'm as analytical as you can be. Stats guy. My dad calls me stat boy, like Tony Reale back in the day on pardon the interruption. But if it wasn't for Carson Wentz, they would they would be winless. If Josh McCown was in there, like his stats don't tell the whole story. He's so much better than his stats are saying. He's just he's the whole freaking team. He's the whole offense. If it wasn't for him, this team would be trash. That was a fun game. I enjoyed watching the game. When's the last time you enjoyed watching an Eagles game? You know, I had fun for that Packers game, but they were in a huge hole in the first half, and it was a nail-biter. This was just it felt like, you know, you popped the champagne in the third quarter, and you're sitting back relaxing, soaking up the win. Just hasn't happened. When's the last time I said that this is the best game they played and the most comfortable and enjoyable game they played since that um, that Rams game last year in 20, 2018, it was on the road in LA, you know, people, they were big underdogs and Foles first start after Wentz's injury last year and they won. When was the last time an Eagles game was that entertaining and that fun when Carson Wentz started? It sounds crazy, but you know, one thing I think of is last October, they played on Thursday night on the road in New York and they won pretty handily, but was even that, that entertaining? It's crazy to think that the Eagles haven't played a game that's entertaining with Carson Wentz in there for a variety of reasons since maybe the Super Bowl year. That was the most entertaining Carson Wentz performance I've seen really in about two years. And it's encouraging for 
all the haters out there, for all the people that are still concerned about his injuries, that physically he can take those QB sneaks on third and short, fourth and one, fourth and goal. And the movement in the pocket is there. It's 2017-esque, those runs. The runs today really reminded me of those plays, those infamous plays on Monday Night Football back in 2017 against Washington, where once is, again, making something out of nothing, looking like he's stuffed for a sack and gaining huge first downs on the ground. Sometimes I think, and I was worried they're going to do this this year, where they're saying, hey, Carson, we want you to be healthy. We want you to be a prototypical pocket passer quarterback. You know, teams always do this. They're always scared of their players getting injured. And it was something that always happened with, during the McNabb era. He, I think Reed was always saying, hey, I want you to be you know, a pocket quarterback. McNabb didn't want to be looked at as just a running quarterback. He wanted to be a pocket quarterback. But that was part of what made Donovan McNabb so good was throwing the ball on the run, maneuvering in the pocket, taking off for six, seven yard time, yards at a time. But the big difference is you can still run the ball as a quarterback as long as you're not taking hits, if you're sliding, if you're getting down quick. And once he's done that this year, he wasn't taking huge hits today. Uh, you should take a play out of Russell Wilson's playbook. Never, I talk about him all the time. I think Russell Wilson is maybe the most underrated athlete overall of my lifetime. In- incredible player. And he's someone who's started every game of his career since he was a rookie. He's never missed a game in his entire NFL career. He started every single game. And he's certainly a guy who runs the ball. He's great. He's great in the pocket. He can, he's great in the pocket. He's great when he's outside the pocket and uses his legs and mobility and athleticism to, again, make something out of nothing. But he doesn't take hits. He's smart. His football IQ is out the window. Wentz needs to model himself after Russell Wilson. I think he's on the way to doing that with the way he's moving around the pocket, his mobility. It was great to see. It was so encouraging. It was so encouraging. And, you know, there were a couple of bad passes. Uh, you know, they were in the red zone earlier in the game. I think on the first drive where they ended up just getting three, it was third and like 10 or 11. And Wentz threw in a double coverage to Goddard. And I was just like, dude, what, what was that? Sometimes he forces the ball. Uh, there was another play where I think maybe like the second quarter, it's the third and like six or seven, and he had Ertz wide open. He missed him rolling to his right. And I don't know if that was the weather. He's thrown in the wind. He was trying to do a touch pass when the gust, when it's gusting and all. Weather's wild. Because sometimes I think that the passes he did better today were when he was really putting some oomph on the ball um, and allowing it. Not I'm not Glenn Hurricane Schwartz or anything, obviously, but it seemed like, the harder you throw the ball in that kind of weather and atmosphere, the greater success you're going to have rather than those soft touch passes. But Wentz has the arm to do that. Josh Allen has the arm to do that. He made some nice throws today as well. That was encouraging. I'm all in. I'm all in. It's so easy for me to go all in. I'm just so all over the place to begin with. And I've been so down in the dumps with this team over the last two, two weeks. I'm even thinking in the way back of my head, I hate to sell it, say it, if they lost, should they have been sellers? It's insane. I don't know if he would sell or anything like that, but just, you know, maybe sell off Big V for a pick or, you know, just take some flyers, take some calls. You never know. But I'm all in out. The division's winnable. They're, I guess, what? Technically a half game back. Dallas didn't play this week, so they were on by. Dallas plays Monday Night Football next week in New York. Giants are 2-6. and six. I don't think they're terrible. Daniel Jones flashes. I, I don't think that's necessarily... A guaranteed win for Dallas so we'll see about that but no I would assume they win and Philly's got Bears Bears coming to town last time they played obviously was that hilarious ending to that playoff game wildcard round last year where uh former Eagle the the double joint game infamously known as the double joint game Cody Parkey missed that field goal birds won 
I'd really like to see them make a move. They need to make some moves. Probably they need to make two moves to me. The cornerback play today wasn't out egregious. Sidney Jones got beat a bunch of times in the slot against Cole Beasley, but otherwise, cornerbacks were okay. Again, this was a game where it was really hard to throw the ball, so they're going to look better than they might have naturally. But uh, Ronald Darby had a key, key pass breakup. I don't even know if the last time the Eagles have had a cornerback has had like a legit pass breakup, like a PBU, like an official stat of that. It seems like it's been forever. It just never happens. A guy always drops it, overthrown, whatever. Uh, that was a great play by Darby. And it's really, when's the last time you've seen Ronald Darby actually make a key play? Or any of these guys make a key play other than, you know, Cravon LeBlanc or Avante Maddox. Hopefully hopefully Cravon's back soon. They need Cravon back, which is insane. This guy, they signed up the street about this time last year. But Sidney Jones is not cutting in the slot. You know, you roll with Mills and Darby on the outside. They want to see roll with those guys, see what it is. I definitely look into the cornerback market. I, I don't really know about trading a first-rounder for Patrick Peterson. He's 30. Obviously, really shows no signs of slowing down. He's signed through next year, but first-rounder is a first-rounder. It, it's funny. Some people want to trade, and I'm not just trying to generalize, but I've seen people say this, and it doesn't really add up for me. People are comfortable trading a first-rounder for Patrick Peterson, but they weren't comfortable trading two first-rounders for Jalen Ramsey. And I get two first-rounders is more than one, but... Jalen Ramsey is 25 and on a Hall of Fame trajectory. Patrick Peterson is 30 and only signed through next season. And, you know, you're going to have to pay Jalen Mills, uh, Jalen Mills, geez, Jalen Ramsey a mega extension. But, you know, that guy's the best cornerback in the NFL. I would have I would have given up those. I would have matched the Rams offer for him. But, you know, you can't do that anymore. You can't worry about it. Maybe they maybe they try for Patrick Peterson. They're, that's a guy they've liked for years. They liked him in the draft. Um, Joe Banner, former Eagles president, said on Twitter Something weird happened when they did that infamous Kevin Cobb trade where they traded uh, you know, a second rounder in DRC to the Eagles for Kevin Cobb after Mike Vick went off in 2010 and then they had the dream team year in 2011. That didn't work out. But there was a, a lockout during that offseason and something weird happened with, I don't know exactly the terms, but something with the CBA, they couldn't make a trade involving a first rounder at that point in time. So the trade originally was going to be Kevin Cobb for the Cardinals' first-round pick. They ended up with DRC in a second instead. So with that first-round pick, the Cardinals picked, okay, Patrick Peterson. The Eagles would have picked Peterson as well, and obviously that changes a million different things over the Eagles' last you know decade or whatever. Can't worry about that. But ultimately what I'm trying to say is the Eagles have loved Patrick Peterson for like a decade. They've made calls from this season already. Uh, the Cardinals lost today in New Orleans. I don't really think they're, you know, they were 3-3-1 three, three and one going into today, so they might have said, hey, I don't want to sell yet. We have this new, exciting, young rookie QB. We don't want to you know, tell them, hey, we're, we're selling even though you're playing pretty well. They lose today. They're 3-4-1. and one. They're probably in the toughest division in football maybe between uh, San Francisco still undefeated. I think uh, Seattle is the best team in the NFC, and the Rams are what? They are 5-3. and three. They're frauds, but they're 5-3. and three. So... They're automatically in fourth place. I really can't see them making the playoffs. Maybe they sell. And I'm really, really interested to see if Howie makes a move for him. I think the most likely scenario is they trade maybe, you know, a fourth rounder for Chris Harris. That's a huge guy that's been rumored. Chris Harris from Denver. He's about 30, has can play inside, can play outside. As a cornerback, can play in the slot, stick guys outside. I'd really like to see that. It's you know, he's a free agent after the season. It's kind of a low-risk move. Maybe they get a comp pick in the future, even though that's a little bit dicey to count on. But the guy I really want to see, this offense is anemic at times. And 
Matt Collins, I don't know how many snaps he played, but Matt Collins just didn't get targeted. It's a waste. When you have Matt Collins on the field, you're playing 10 on 11. J.J. Ortega-Whiteside can't even get snaps on him. So even if you had him out there, you're playing 10 on 11. They need an, up, an upgrade at receiver, and I, I get that. Oh, Deshaun's coming back. Well, Deshaun just missed eight games out of nowhere, seven games. Can we really count on him to always be healthy? Alshon gets hurt a lot, too. My guy is Robbie Anderson. I really want the birds to trade for Robbie Anderson. They need him. They need Robbie Anderson. He's a speedy guy. I don't know if he can play in the slot. I, w- I would think he can. He plays for the Jets now. Tempo product. Uh, Joe Douglas is obviously the Jets GM, the former assistant under Howie Roseman. There's a connection there. Obviously, uh, Robbie Anderson wasn't Joe Douglas's guy. He didn't draft him. He was already there when Douglas came into power. So I'm wondering if there's a move to be made in there. Uh, people, a lot of people know this. The last uh, around the trade yard in last year, the Eagles really wanted Robbie Anderson for his speed. The Jets weren't willing to trade them, and the Eagles pivoted and trade for Golden Tate instead. So clearly, they've been interested in Robbie Anderson for a while now. They have a connection in the front office where they might be. Uh, it might be more viable for that trade to come to fruition. And I'm really hoping that you know I made the joke on Twitter that you know Tuesday morning I'm drinking a nice ice latte and I see Adam Schefter push notification the Eagles got Robbie Anderson and maybe they do maybe they do a bigger trade with New York and try to get defensive tackle Leonard Williams maybe they do you know Robbie Anderson and Leonard Williams for like a second and a fifth or something like that I'd be interested in that you know the division's there for the taking Dallas isn't great yeah they kicked our ass kicked our ass last week but you know, sleeper cell Orlando Scandrick's gone. I think, isn't it insane that if, I feel like if that Orlando Scandrick thing didn't happen, the Birds wouldn't have had that swag and that confidence they played with today. Orlando Scandrick, scapegoat, get lost. You're a loser. You're a rat loser, pal. You're a rat sneak snake. And I'm happy you're gone. I hate when we ever have ex-Dallas players. It feels disgusting. It feels disgusting to have any Cowboys in your team. DeMarco Murray, Miles Austin, all these guys can get lost. And they all come here and suck because every Dallas player is evil and they come here and they bring all their bullshit with them he's gone i don't think anyone liked him it's like zach brown they had to cut two guys they taken for nfc east rivals who were just negative locker room presence i'm happy they're gone i didn't like either of those guys to begin with be gone i'm sad i gave orlando scandrick that lando nickname i regret doing it he doesn't deserve a nickname he's just scandrick scandrick we won we won hopefully next time i'm talking after a big, big home win against Chicago Bears, Robbie Anderson catches six passes for 110 yards and a touchdown. Chris Harris has a nice interception late in the game to seal the win. And the Birds are 5-4 and four going to the bye. Finish up, guys. Jetro Bootman. Follow me on Twitter at Seamus, S-H-A-M-U-S underscore Clancy. You can uh, subscribe to my Patreon newsletter. You get a you know newsletter talking about the Birds, talking about the Sixers, things going on in Philly. Uh, every Monday through Friday, just two bucks a month. So you get about 20 newsletters per month just for $2. Pretty good deal. I enjoy doing it. Send it out around 9 a.m. every morning. Got some good response about it. Got about you know, 250 subscribers. Really happy with it. Sign up. You can also find my work uh, you know, with Bleeding Green Nation Radio. Uh, I host a podcast called From the Bleachers that comes out every Tuesday. It might come out Wednesday this week because of the trade deadline Tuesday afternoon. And you could also check out my podcast with Philly Voices, Kyle Newbeck, called The New Slant, my new Sixers podcast, part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. You could find it, just type in The New Slant on wherever your podcast provider is, Apple, Spotify, whatever. Uh, you could follow that on Twitter at, at New Slant Pod. Um, check us out there if you're a big Sixers fan. Doing a lot of stuff this year. The Sixers looking great. Hopefully... Got two teams, my two favorite teams, two things I love more than anything in this world other than 
you know, my parents, Ashley and Big Mike and, you know, both of them are rolling. That's what I love to see. It reminds me of early 2018 birds in the Super Bowl. The Sixers go on the big run for their first playoff berth post-process. I'm excited right now. I'm sure next time the Eagles lose, I'll, you know, spiral out of control into despair. But right now I'm feeling great. Sixers are 2-0. Tobias Harris played unbelievable last night. Birds came a big win coming back home. Let's beat Mitch. Mitch stinks. Mitch stinks. Um, uh, I'm one of my buddies uh, from college. His name's Nick Demas. He does this, uh, does his own little subscription newsletter. It's not subscription. He just does a little newsletter every week. Uh, he's from the Chicago area. Huge, huge uh, Bears fan. Maybe we'll collab with him on the week, get him on a pod, maybe post game, maybe do a surprise little pod during the week with him. Maybe we'll have him on the newsletter. Uh, but I will say that if the Eagles do pull off a trade this week, whether it's Patrick Peterson, Robbie Anderson, Leonard Williams, I will do an emergency podcast regardless of the day. If it's during the workday, obviously I can't do it. But as soon as I get home, record something for 15, 20 minutes and post it. Again, thanks for listening, guys. I appreciate it. Check out my newsletter. Go Birds.